0: How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today, Friday, October 25th, 2019, we got probably one of the better slates of college football I've seen this season on deck, and none other to talk college football with me than Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to the people.
1: Yeah, what's up, everybody? Glad to be back.
0: Yeah, we got a good yeah, show planned out for, out for y'all today. Day. We're going to break down all the big match-ups. matchups. Ben knows the most about college football, I think, of just about anybody I know. So let's get down to it here. Start things off, at 12 o'clock, noon kickoff with, Ohio, or with Wisconsin on the road at Ohio State. Spread on this game's at 14. Ben, what are you thinking on this one?
1: Well, people were saying that Ohio State wouldn't get tested until they saw Wisconsin, and all Wisconsin did was lose the week before playing Ohio State. They lost to a terrible Illinois team on a game-winning field goal. But, I mean, as we know, you know, they could, if they run the table, they still have a chance. So this me, this game means a lot for the Badgers still. I still believe that they have the best running back in college football and Jonathan Taylor. I mean, they're going to need everything. They're going to need what Saquon Barkley did for Penn State. They're going to need Jonathan Taylor to do everything, if they even have a chance. I just don't think Wisconsin has enough. Ohio State has looked to me like the best or second-best team in the country. You know, you could pick them with LSU. I think they've shown the most those two teams so far. Um, You and I talked about it before we started. It's going to be raining. So I want to see if Ohio State can keep the high-profile downfield uh, passing up in the rain. But I got Ohio State winning this game at home.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah, going to agree, agree with you on this one. I think, I think Ohio, State Ohio State will win outright. I also think they cover this one as well. Look, Wisconsin, like you said, I mean, they're, they are they want to play by running the football and through their defense. They want to dominate you. But uh, with the defense, and then they want to run the ball on you with Jonathan Taylor and tired your defense out. They're not really a heavy passing attack, big play attack. Like you said, it's going to be raining, so that does play to Wisconsin's advantage here a little bit to kind of maybe stop this Ohio State big play offense. But Ohio State is 4-1 um, and one against the spread in their last five at home against Wisconsin, so that plays in. Plays well for them. I mean, Wisconsin has played nobody. It's been a really weak schedule. I mean, that was definitely a look-ahead spot for them. I just I just don't think Wisconsin has got the big plays in their arsenal to keep up with Ohio State. I look for Justin Fields to really open it up, and I get more impressed with Justin Fields every single game I watch. And yeah, I just I feel, feel like, like you, you know, know, they really have the team here for Ohio State, you know, to blow them out of the water. I re- honestly, like, I'm, I've am i grown more and more on Ohio State every week, and I think they might actually be the best team in the nation, probably, probably them or LSU in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, uh, with what you're saying about Fields, and, you know, they still have J.K. Dobbins in their backfield, who's been terrorizing the Big Ten, you know, for the last two years. He's in his third year now. Uh, I mean, they just have it all. I mean... I'm not ready. I mean, Ryan Day, something about his offense and field is clicking. I mean, clearly he made the right decision. Um, he was the biggest name in all those transfer names that came out, and it's worked out well for him, a lot better than it's worked out for others. Um, I, I think Ohio State wins big. I agree.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, you know I just—it's just, I just, it's just it's too much. To I mean, Ohio State's, State's covered every, every single game pretty, pretty easily, game except for the FAU, Fau game. And I mean, I mean Fau though—they are 21-0, 21-0 like five, five minutes into the game, and then and just, just kind of chilled, chilled after, after that, that. So. That's a little bit of, I guess, well, I guess they just they didn't just want to didn't run it up on them, which um, is respectable, you know, but keep things moving here and we'll move to the next, next big game at 3.30. I mean, this they have these games spaced out, by the way, so well. The fact that they got one at 12, then one at 3.30, then two at the later slot, but we'll go here with Auburn at LSU. LSU is an 11 point favorite at home in Death Valley. Um, what's the weather looking like in this one and what are you thinking, Ben?
1: Well, it seems like it's going to be raining just about everywhere in the country. I think it was only a 40% chance of rain in Baton Rouge on Saturday, but it will be raining all night before. So I would expect a wet field. I want to say this about Auburn. You know, you said um, Ohio State and LSU, we both said that they were one of the more impressive teams that we've seen. I've been pretty impressed with Auburn's defense, actually, which, I mean, coming into the year – you know, every, a lot of people were saying that Auburn might have the best front seven. I, I think they've held their own in that category. Um, it's, I think this is just a classic SEC battle where you say it's just the battle of the trenches. I mean, you have Auburn's front seven, like I said, versus LSU's offensive line, who's been pretty good about keeping Joe Burrow upright. And also Joe Burrow has been incredible um, about sliding his protection. Uh, against the blitz this year i think he's been the probably the best quarterback in the country against the blitz um i'm taking lsu because i don't think auburn can keep up scoring with them bo nix is winning games and he's really really young but i'm waiting for him to show me he's progressing he's winning games he's he's been put in tough situations late in games and he's come through in most of them because auburn only has one loss but when you play a team with a high-profile high, pro, high profile offense like LSU, in their house, you have to be able to score almost every possession. Good luck. I'm taking LSU. Yeah, you
0: know, yeah, you know when I look at these, these road games, games like, like the Texas A&M game, Texas A&M, Texas A&M Major, turned the ball over way too so much in too that, much that one. That one. Um, Florida, Florida, they only, only scored 13 points. 13 points. 13 I mean, only 24 against Tulane, 27 against Oregon. I just just don't don't know, know, like you said, you know, if Bo Nix can put put the points on the board here to win this game, that's where the real question question mark comes in for me. You know, LSU is going to score in the 30s easily. easily. I don't don't know know if Auburn can uphold their part here. I think 11 is a decent number, you know. I think LSU, if they win this game, it's going to be by two touchdowns or more, so. I'm siding with LSU here. I just look for Burrow and them to spread the ball out. Like you said, you know, he's good at picking up blitzes. Burrow's thrown 29 TD passes to only three interceptions. I think if LSU takes care of the ball and in this environment, LSU actually has played better at 3.30 games than they in are in, uh, at home than they have in night games at home, believe it or not, even though Death Valley at night is supposed to be, you know, like a death wish, it's the other way around. Actually, they've been better at 3.30, so... I, th- I, th- I, think I think it'll, it'll be a be fun a one to watch, to watch for the first, first half, half, but I look for LSU, LSU to pull away in the second, second half. half. I'm, I'm thinking LSU, LSU wins, wins this one like 41-21 like to uh, 21 21 or something of that nature. nature.
1: It's, it's, I think it's going to be a very physical game. Uh, I think Auburn, specifically Gus Malzahn, needs to go back to what he's really become famous for. It, I, he's got to get the ground, uh, the, um, ground game going. I think he's going to have to do it early. I think they're going to need north of 200 rushing yards in this game as a team to just to keep up. I mean, I think, you know, it's no secret in football. You know, the more success you have running it, the more success you Mm -hmm. should have with the play-action pass. And I think with a young quarterback, a play-action pass is your best friend because as soon as the linebackers, if you get them to bite, it's a little bit easier of a throw over the top if you're throwing over the middle. So... I think Gus Malzahn needs to be true to what got him this job. Honestly, I, I think they need to pound the rock all game, even if it's not successful. I think you need to keep doing it to help Bo Nix. And I think that if Bo, I think that Auburn can compete in this game with, if their defense can get the stops, but Bo Nix cannot turn the ball over. I mean, you turn the ball over in Death Valley, the crowd will eat you alive. The football, LSU's football team will start to play better. Um, I just trust Joe Burrow and LSU's defense at home more than I'm going to trust Auburn's defense. Uh, I 11 is a tricky number. 11 is tricky, but I'm taking LSU.
0: Yeah, you know, know, Bo Nix, like you said, said, he had three um, turnovers in that Florida Florida game. game, So, you know, I don't don't think – he's got to take better care of the ball, quite frankly. And also, I don't remember if you said this or not in your first time you talked, but Boobie Whitlow's out in this game for Auburn. I know you just said they need to pound the run, so that's going to be difficult with your top running back out. But, I mean, Auburn always turns out running backs, but at the same time, I really think he is a special runner with the football, and he's going to be out, so that's going to make it even more tough on them here, here, but I got to go with LSU here, here, Death Death Valley, Valley, you know. It's just too good of a spot spot with how good this team is. I don't don't think they'll be caught off guard guard in any way. Let's let's keep things moving moving here now, now, and let's let's go go to to the Big Big Ten, ten, and and let's let's go go with Penn State, or six-and-a-half point favorite on the road at Michigan State. What do you think about this one?
1: Yeah, so, you know, you talked about this earlier with Wisconsin maybe looking ahead. This is a this could be a tougher game from Penn State if they are not focused. So last week they played Michigan um, at home, and they won that game. It was very physical, those two ranked teams. Now they're playing at Michigan State, who's not ranked. And then next week they go at number 17, Minnesota, who is undefeated this year. Um, so I think that Penn State needs to take it game by game. I know that's easier said than done. But they cannot overlook the 4-3 and three Spartans, um, You know, Michigan State over the years has become somewhat famous in the Big Ten for if they can, if their defense shows up, which they always have a good defense, if they keep it low scoring in that fourth quarter, they're that team that you don't like you don't want them to hang around because they'll they'll take advantage of it if they're hanging around in the fourth quarter. I think Penn State needs to continue to attack downfield with their weapon. They have a very exciting receiver number one uh he's a speedy receiver his name's kj hamler um they gotta they gotta continue to get him the ball downfield and just torch michigan state um i'm looking so i'm looking forward early in the game to see how focused penn state is penn state's got two good running backs right now um f- true freshman noah kane from img academy has had i think two games out of his last three of going over 100 yards. That's big for a true freshman, and he's their B-back. I mean, they, they have a guy that plays over him, and I think this is the best defense James Franklin's had since he's been at Penn State, so I think that they need to continue to show it and not look ahead, and I think that they will um, six and a half. I think they cover six and a half. Penn State is much better. I think that they stay focused. I think James Franklin knows the challenge that he's going to have ahead. I think he's a good enough coach that he can keep them focused week by week for now, you know, until they play the true test of Ohio state. So I think Penn state covers.
0: Um, I'm actually on the opposite side of you on this one. I'm siding with, um, Michigan state on this one. Look, I really like Michigan state here in this spot. Like you said, I just feel like that it's two tough games in a row. And this is kind of like, you know, the sandwich game you're coming into Michigan state. They're four and three. Um, it's going to be a cold, rainy game, you know, Penn state, they might look good in the win column with six wins, but I mean they were outgained by Buffalo, even though they beat them forty-five to thirteen. They were outgained by Pittsburgh. Um, they were outgained by Iowa at Iowa and versus Michigan. That's off two huge night games that are against very physical teams here. You know they could have honestly, like the offense outside of that first quarter really got shut down by Michigan, and I'll get to why to a little bit more on Michigan in the next segment, but. You know, I really just don't think that Michigan State's got the team. That, I mean, I don't think that Penn State has got the team they need here to come in and win. Michigan State's really good against the run. I feel like it's a horrible spot for them. Also, got a little uh, trend here for you. Michigan State's 5-1 against the spread in their last six against Penn State. I think they get the cover here. I wouldn't be shocked if they pulled the outright upset. No, I've kind of been waiting on Penn State to go down, and I feel like this is really the spot to see them.
1: It's definitely a tough position. Um like we mentioned, their schedule—you know—going back-to-back night games. Uh, one of them being Michigan, um, going to—you know—a team that's only four and three, and then playing a ranked team ahead. I—I uh, I think Penn State falls eventually this year. Um, obviously, I can't predict the future to when I know. I just think that—I I think that they're good enough right now. I don't think their numbers really prove it. I just think that they're good enough right now to beat the teams that they are supposed to beat. And so maybe I'm just riding them, you know, the hot team, the hot wave right now. But, you know, like you said, in the rain, they got to, they got to figure out some ways to continue to throw the ball downfield with a quarterback that really doesn't have a ton of experience. And McSorley was their quarterback, you know, past couple of years and he's gone now. So I I just trust that Penn State's running the ball uh, well right now. And, K.J. Hamler's broken loose, I think, once in every game so far, so I'm going with Penn State.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, you it's, know definitely it's definitely going to be, be a good, good one. one. I just I feel, feel like, like Michigan, Michigan State can muster up enough offense here, especially Michigan at home. I think that they can kind of, you know, neutralize you know, the big, big plays here. I feel like they can really limit Penn State. And I feel like that, I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to win outright, but I think, think they can keep it within the six, six and a half. That's a pretty good number right there. Maybe even buy it up to seven, get you that get you that full touchdown here to cover. But, you know, I just think Michigan State, you know, they play well as an underdog too. They haven't played as well lately, but I just think it's a really good spot for them. And I think Sparty can get a win. here. I mean, mean, they they weren't ranked start start season, season, but let's let's go go here now to the last game for our college football portion of this podcast, and that's that's Notre Dame at Michigan. Michigan. Um, Notre Um, Notre Notre Dame is a a a two and a half half point point favorite currently. I mean, the line's all over the place, everywhere. What do you like in this one?
1: I'm going to keep this one plain and simple. I'm not picking Michigan to win a big game until Harbaugh proves it. It's gotten to that point to where no one should have any faith in him until he actually does it. Um, I mean, I don't know what I would be doing if I'm a Michigan fan. I mean, you're paying this guy way too much money. To I I don't know the number of how many ranked wins he has, but I know it's not many. Um, I, Brian Kelly is not my favorite coach in the world. Uh, at Notre Dame, I think he's a good coach, but he's better than Harbaugh. I think everyone's better than Harbaugh at this point. I think that's pretty easy to say. Um, I think Michigan is playing a lot better. Um, I, I think, but I'm not going to say they figured it out because like I said, I have no reason, Harbaugh's given me no reason to trust Michigan. So, I mean, I'll take Notre Dame at Michigan.
0: Ooh, see, I'm actually, I'm actually on the opposite, on the opposite side, side here as you. Um, Notre Dame is 1-7 in their last eight games on the road at Michigan. Harbaugh's done pretty well at home when he's an underdog as he's, I believe he is 19-1 and one against the spread or something, something crazy. Actually, I know that's not the right trend, but I had some sort of crazy trend on Harbaugh that I lost. But, but I, really I really think here that that, that Penn, or Michigan, Michigan is actually playing their best football of the season. They got embarrassed they got against, against Wisconsin. Wisconsin. They kind of bounced back, back a little bit. bit. And, I and I think that they've they really, really figured things out and played play better out. lately. I like how they actually – I think they have a decent receiving core, you know, with Peoples-Jones. And um, I'm drawing a blank on the other two guys' names. But I think they have a decent receiving core. They got the run game going. And they really played – well in the second half of that Penn State game. That's a game, you know, where you're down 21-0. You could just say, shit, pack it up, you know, pack it in. But they said, no, let's stay here, play this game. And they were a dropped pass away from, you know, taking that game to overtime and potentially winning it and pulling a huge upset. I think that Michigan can play through this defense as well as after that first quarter, they really shut Penn State down completely. I think Michigan in this spot here with Shea Patterson can come out and pull this upset at home and win.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I agree. I mean, I think Michigan can win. I'm just tired of picking them and looking like a fool. I mean, it's gotten <laughs> to the point. And I love Don Brown, who's the defensive coordinator at uh, Michigan. He's been one of the best in the business for a long, long time. I have no reason to trust Shea Patterson, and I have no reason to trust Harbaugh in big games. So, I mean, that's the only reason. I mean, like you said, the numbers, the trends, and all that may may make sense for Michigan, but I'm at the point where until they do it, I'm just – I'm going against them.
0: Yeah, yeah and, you know, yeah, you know, I definitely, definitely understand you coming from that angle. that angle. I mean, it's, it's tough, tough to back them, back them here. I just, just feel, feel like, like – I feel like sometimes, you know, you got to sack up here and, and back it. It might not be the sexy pick, but I think it's the right pick here in this situation. That's how I feel with Michigan State as well. It might not be the sexy pick, but it's the right one. Sometimes you just got to – You know, nut up and make the pick. I really feel like Harbaugh. You know, this team is gonna go. You know, I feel like they're a nine and three team, which isn't terrible. I feel like that Michigan fans have a little bit of an unrealistic expectation for this team. Um, You know, if you look through, I was listening. I can't remember what I was listening to, but they were just talking about like their most legendary coaches, like Lloyd Carr, and that they just, you know, that this team has been like, you know, a nine and three team. They just don't get the access to the same recruits that everyone gets. You know, they're a ten and two, nine and three team. I mean, they're bound to win one of these big games. They've already lost two of them. I feel like this is the this one they one can they win cuz I definitely, definitely don't think they have, have a chance, chance though against, against Ohio State, State that, that offense, offense is way too dynamic for them my, to handle. My
1: my thing is you're paying Harbaugh too much money to go 9 mm-hmm. and 3. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are. I mean, w- 9 and 3 is I mean, it's at the end of the day, sure, it's it's a good record, but when you're considered a powerhouse in what a lot of people consider the second best conference, some people even say is the deepest. I mean 9 and 3. I mean I'm a, I don't take moral victories. You play you play to win the game. And you know you play to compete for national championships when you're a school like Michigan. You know, they get a lot of recruits that a lot of other people want. They miss out on some, but they they have good recruiting classes. They have a coach that's supposed to be, you know, Saban and Urban Meyer, Dabo. He's not, all right? I mean, he's not even close. So they're, pay, they're paying him too much to lose a lot of these big games. I mean, it's getting to a point where you got to be frustrating as a Michigan fan. I mean, I feel like you're not asking for that much. You want one victory against Ohio State in four tries, and you can't do it. So, and he had, does not, he had, uh, Harbaugh has not been that good against Michigan State either. Um, so. Good luck. Yeah you, know, yeah, you know, I mean it's it's,
0: it's a lot, lot easier, easier said, said than, than done. You know, I agree with you though. I don't think you can pay Harbaugh that kind of money. I just I think I just don't think they have access to the right recruits. You know, when you look at these Ohio teams like Ohio State, like these Florida teams, these Texas teams, they get access to so much better than recruits than a lot of these other teams do. Even Alabama, you know, they just it's harder like Ohio is the real hotbed for football talent up in that portion of the United States. Rather than, you know, in these, in these uh, down in the south, there's a lot better, you know, players to pick from. Obviously, Texas, California as well. So, I just more so think Michigan's just kind of, you know, behind the eight ball on the recruiting side of things. But, let's keep things moving here now. Let's go to the NBA. You know, we had to throw a little NBA into it. It's back. I've Nothing I've loved more than sitting here these last couple of nights and watching it. I mean, I was so thankful we had the NBA last night rather than watching that horrible Thursday night football game. But, but we're going to give, give you all our predictions for who's going to lead the league in a couple of statistical categories. categories. Um, um, let's we'll start, start here with points. Who do you have, to, have lead to lead the league lead in points, points ben?
1: ben? First off, I want to say um, Trey Young is a stud. And if, anyone stud. Is still da- and if anyone is still doubting him, you need to shut up. Because this kid has figured out how to use his size and quickness. And he's only in his second year, so... The, shooting, the shooting's there. He's not going to have it every night. But the kid's figured out how to use his body when he gets to the rack. Um, like you said, we're going to talk about scoring first. I'm not going with Trey Young. Uh, I'm going to go with the Greek freak. Um, I, I picked him to win back-to-back MVPs. I, I personally don't know how you stop this man. Um, he's a freak. He's from Greece. <laughs> they call him the Greek freak, and he, he plays like that. So he doesn't even need a jump shot. And he's working on it. I think his mentality is just in the Kobe and MJ competitive category. I mean, there's no one defender that can stop this man. So I'm taking Giannis.
0: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny funny watching him last last night. night. The first half, he's airballing threes and just doing all kinds. of. He looked awful in the first half last night. I was like, what are you doing? And it was kind of like in the second half. It was almost like, you know, he was just th- trying to think too much and be like that, you know, like LeBron-type player. And then in the second half, it was like I'm he just said to himself, I'm just going to put my head down and go to the hole. And he was unstoppable and led a huge comeback last night. I think that's a great pick. I think he'll be in the top five in the league for scoring for sure. I went with Carl Anthony Towns, though, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I just feel like that there's no other options, and Cats honestly coming into a superstar. Like, I really think this guy's slept on as one of the young up-and-coming stars in the league just because he's stuck on the Wolves, and, you know, Jimmy Butler kind of talks shit about him and all the players over there and Wiggins and everything, saying they weren't coming along well. Kat can clearly score the ball. I believe he had 34 in his first night out there, and he's a real versatile, too. He can shoot it. He can handle the rock. I mean, his game and how he's come along is crazy to me. I really love what I've seen out of Carl Anthony Towns, and I could easily see him leading the league in scoring. Yep.
1: Yeah, I want to go – I just want to say one more thing about Giannis. He fouled out with, I think, five and five minutes and change, and he had a mm-hmm. triple-double. So, with a bad shooting first half, the man still put together a complete game to have a triple-double. Uh, I like I like Towns. Um, I mean, Harden is obviously a good pick for scoring. Um, there's a lot of good scores in the NBA.
0: Yeah, yeah Beal and Booker and are horrible, are horrible picks, picks too, just for the teams, with teams and their situations. Situation. You know, Curry. Yeah, Curry. yeah, yeah there's there's, there's, so so there's so many players you could pick. pick. But I think that – I really think that Towns and Giannis, though, you know, are two – and Harden are probably the three best picks just because Harden can hit that three ball so well, and those two guys shoot such high percentage shots and play so smart. But let's go here now to rebounds. We both have the same player for this one. I'll let you go ahead and give your uh, explanation first.
1: Yeah, I'm going with the uh, big boy in Detroit, uh, Andre Drummond. I mean, he is (laughs) – you blink and he's already at 10 rebounds in the first quarter. Um He's just, he works harder than, than anyone on the offensive uh, glass and the defensive glass. I mean, you and I are both Hawks fans. The Hawks played uh, their first game against the Pistons. They got three guys trying to box out Drummond, and he's still getting the rebound. Um, this is just what he does. And, you know, a little fun fact about it, If you look up the all-time rebounding uh, NBA rebounders, I don't know the exact number he's at, but he's a lot higher on the list than I think a lot of people would think. He's been doing this a long time. He's just a freak on the glass.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, Drummond really is a freak freak on the glass. glass. I've I've never seen seen anybody get get rebounds rebounds kind of, you know, like like he can. It's 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 tough, like you said, 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 you know, it's really really tough tough to get him off the glass glass when he's on there. I mean, last year, He was at 13. I mean, he's been above. He had averaged 16 rebounds um, per game two years ago. Or, sorry, he was at 15 last year. He's already at 17.5 this season, so, you know, he's crashing the glass hard. Um, I just don't see there's any way you can't not go with Drummond. You know, like you said, this guy's a beast, and it's like he has such good instincts, too, when it comes to rebounding the ball. Other than him, I mean, there's definitely going to be some other guys that are going to be up there with him. I just feel like the way this Pistons team's formed, though, it's formed well for him to lead the league. I could see Siakam being a little sleeper, I guess, I guess he's I like it's the like most rebounds, rebounds from a guy who guy doesn't play, who doesn't play center, center but drummond's also, also you know one, one of the one few big-bodied, big-bodied centers center, i guess Embiid like in will in have a good chance too but I mean, I mean i just feel, I like, feel it's like it's totally hard to go with anybody nodding on drummond, drummond for this, for this one. one up next let's go with the assist leader and i'll let you start ben
1: i'm gonna go with the same guy who won it last year i'm gonna go with russell westbrook i think the team he's on um it's perfect for him to get a lot of assist um I don't expect him to force up a bunch of shots like he had to in um, OKC when Durant left. I, it sounds like D'Antoni, he wants six seconds and under, that there's no better player to get the ball up the court on a fast break than Russell Westbrook. They have sh- a lot... I mean, they have, the Rockets always have shooters, you know, surrounding uh, the court. And I think, you know, everyone can shoot, and the one, that I, the one guy that can't shoot, one of the better lob the uh, alley finishers in Capella. So I think... The team he's on, I think the supporting cast, I think the style of play fits Westbrook to get a bunch of assists. And this is what he does. He shoots a bad percentage and gets a triple-double.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, not it's a not terrible pick, pick at all. You know, it's the first time, stuff, like, like we said, said, that he's got shooters around him like this he's with Houston. Built They're built perfectly perfect to have one guy, guy just go, go and kick it out for someone to hit a hit three pointer. pointer. But, but I'm, I'm actually, actually going to go with Trey, Trey Young, young here. here. I think, I think Trey, Trey, Trey Young's usage rate and minutes will be up very high based off watching the Hawks this last night and watching them last season. Trey Young actually in the second half of the season saw his minutes go up. In the second half, he averaged 23 points and 12 assists. So I mean, he, I mean, at nine assists, he was getting the ball out and finding shooters. I mean, they have an even better roster around him with the shooting, and he's got John Collins and other big guys that he can throw alley-oops to. I think Trey Young will be just an off – I mean, I think, I think I think Trey Young will make the all-star team this year, and I think he's a future MVP with the kind of numbers he puts up. I just don't think the Hawks will win enough games this year for him to be in that MVP conversation. But, but I think, I think Trey, Trey you, know, you know, I would, I would not be, be, shocked be shocked if he was, was a 20, 20 and 10 guy this season as his second year in the league. That's, that's how, how that's how much respect I have for Trey Young, Young and how good, how good I think I he is. I like mean, like you said, said I mean, if he if knows he how to, to use, to use his body, body and, everything, everything, and everything, and he has limitless range. When you have limitless range like that, and they have to step out on you, it opens the floor up so much more, which is how the Hawks' whole offense is set up. So I think that everything's set up for Trey Young, and I think he's going to execute.
1: He's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, like you said, the limitless range. I mean, he pulled up from the logo uh, in Detroit twice. Um, made both of those. I mean, he's just one of those guys. I, I actually saw something. Um, I think it was like an ESPN NBA kind of guy. Yeah, you, know, you know, a lot of people want to say you know Steph Curry for Trey Young. I I like the Steve Nash comparison better. Um, Curry is a good is a very good passer. But he's asked uh, – I, I like Steve Nash because the pick-and-roll game is more Steve Nash and Trey Young than it is Curry. Curry, obviously, everyone uses screens um, to get a switch. But Curry can be off ball at times, and I think that with the Warriors adding D'Angelo Russell, um, who had a very good debut for the Warriors um, in that blowout loss, I think that if D'Lo has the ball, then I think Curry can kind of be um, – off-ball happy, you know, more Ray Allen, Kyle Corver coming off screens. Uh, Trey always has the ball in his hand. Um, every time the Hawks get the ball. I mean, defensive rebound, it's going to Trey Young. Um, so I think that's more Steve Nash. Uh, the vision is off the charts with Trey. I mean, he get, there's not one thing he can't do with the ball in his hands. He's exciting to watch, but, you know, I'm sticking with Westbrook.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know you it's gonna it's be, be a fun race, race for sure. sure. I feel I like think there's, there's a lot, lot of guys who can have a good chance at winning this award. So, so the it's gonna be interesting issues, to see how that ends up going. Um, let's, um, move let's move here now to steals, steals and, and who you, you got, got playing, playing, the, playing the playing the passing, passing lanes. lanes.
1: Uh, well, I actually kind of had two guys, but I'm gonna stick with Westbrook for one of them. Um, when he when he I'll say when he wants to, because not there's no one player other than maybe Patrick Beverly, who is trying on defense every single possession. Um, when Westbrook wants to turn that defensive intensity up, he can just harass you. Um, he's a little bit bigger of a point guard than the average height. I think he's around six He's got the long arms, and his anticipation and quickness is off the charts. Um, the other guy that I was um, also thinking about is, uh, I think, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's an easy pick. Him and Paul George are always up there in steals. They're two of the better um, defensive players in the league. And I I think that their team is like, you can, they can jump a passing lane if they miss it. Their team is, the Clippers are so good that they can switch a lot of guys. Um, I think Kawhi, but I'm going to stick with Westbrook as my steals leader.
0: Yeah, yeah you, know, you know, I'm going with Paul George, and I almost went with Kawhi. Um, Paul George was top five in the league last year in steals, and I feel like he's going to be able to play the passing lanes even better here. Um, Harden was also very high up there last year in steals, and so was Westbrook. And I feel like Westbrook, like you, I mean, like you just said, he'll be able to play the passing lanes. So I think that's a really good pick. But I just feel like Paul George would be able to sit back in those passing lanes and pick off these passes all day, almost like he's playing safety or corner. Um, you know, I mean, the Clippers, though, I mean, I cannot believe the Clippers were the underdog at home to the Lakers on opening night. And I can't believe they're underdog or that they were opened as the underdog last night against the Warriors. I mean, this Clipper team, people are not valuing the fact that this was the only team other than the Raptors that won a playoff game in Golden State and they added Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I mean, this Clippers team is pretty damn good. I know I picked the Raptors to win or the Rockets to win the, um, finals but after watching the Clippers play those first two games I know it's just two games but also they don't have Paul George yet so I'm kind of having second thoughts
1: yep they've played the Lakers and they played the Warriors two of the better teams in the west according to a lot of people and they've won both pretty easily and like you said they're missing Paul George so you know sometimes in sports when you add a dynamic player to an already good lineup sometimes it can hurt that I do not see that when Paul George gets added to the squad because he's the type of player that, you know, if he's just not having the greatest shooting night, he's always playing good defense. And mm-hmm. this Clippers team has plenty of offense that one of their stars can have a bad offense tonight, and they're still putting up 115 points. I mean, their bench consists of Montrez Harrell and the great, and the greatest six-man of all time and Lou Williams. So there's two good scorers off the bench right there. Um, they're unbelievable. <laughs> they're, and Doc Rivers is also a very good coach. Um, I think that this is going to be I, – I just don't think that Doc is going to have to coach this team that much. I think that they have a lot of leadership um, in the starting lineup and on the bench. Uh, I think it's going to be like a coaching year, kind of like what Steve Curry used to do. The players kind of coach themselves. and the, To me, that always works out better when the players can just kind of play free I mean, what's not to like about the Clippers' roster? I can't believe people think the Lakers have a better roster, by the way.
0: Yeah, that's just downright disrespectful. I mean, when I saw people saying that, I I wanted to laugh in their faces. Let's move to the last part here, and this is Blocks, who's going to be our NBA block leader. I'll go first on this one. Um, I'm going with Mitchell Robinson here for the Knicks. I think Ben's pick's a pretty good one, too, but... I really like Robinson here. You know, he's considered probably the best young defensive talent in the league. He had he um, actually was averaging almost three blocks per game last year once he got his minutes upped a little bit. He didn't play enough, though, to qualify, obviously, for the rankings. But Mitchell Robinson, to me, is one of the best young players in this league with his potential-wise. I mean, this guy was a t- in two years ago, and that's probably, in my opinion, the most stacked draft class we've seen yet. This guy was—he um, was the number eleven recruit out of all of them coming out of high school. So he was higher ranked than Trey Young and a lot of these other guys. And he did, chose not to play college ball because I guess he like took money or whatever to play at Western Kentucky. And so I really think that Mitchell Robinson is going to come into his own this year with the Knicks team, and I think he's going to thrive. I look for him to get a lot of blocks.
1: Mitchell Robinson is a stud. He's a big man that. Always plays hard on the defensive end. He's lo- he's tall. He's long. He's aggressive with the blocks, and he's the type of guy that runs the floor very 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 well. And always likes to jump for that alley oop. I'm gonna go Miles Turner and the Pacers on the on the fact that it's kind of a revenge year for him. Um, if people don't remember he was he was pissed off that he did not get the award for Defensive Player of the Year last year. Um, I believe Rudy Gobert won that award. Um, and there was some beef. You know, I think Miles said something. Gobert said something back. I think Miles Turner is going to be out to prove that um, you know that he was deserving of that award last year and that he can do it on a consistent basis. And I think the Pacers are really going to need that. Um, actually, the Pacers, um, we didn't talk about this, but I have the Pacers being the three seed out of the East. I, I think that adding my, uh, Brogdon is going to be similar to what Mike Conley will do for the Jazz at West. I th- and I, I don't think the Jazz will be the three seed. But uh, I think that those two players go to a good team and they bring a defensive presence with an offensive game that can take them to a great team. But I don't think either of them are championship level. But I think that the Pacers ceiling can be that three seed this year with Victor Oladipo being back, Miles Turner continuing to get better. Sabonis just got a big deal, which was, uh, I know it's a lot of money, but he's deserving of that. Um, Brogdon is a stud. Brogdon comes from Tony Bennett at Virginia, so you know he knows how to play defense with the best of them. And he's so efficient with the ball um, on offense. So I think the Pacers can be a good, uh, really good team this year, and I think it starts with them on the defensive end and with their big man, Miles Turner.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I agree with you completely, completely Miles Turner. Turner, I thought he should have won the award last last year. Um, Um, I think he's going to have a damn good shot at this year. I also agree with you with the Pacers being top three. I picked him to finish number one. I don't know if that was a little over the top or not, but – I don't know. I, I don't like the spot, spot for him. I just don't think the 76ers with that big lineup, it's going to come back to bite him at some point with the league moving towards the threes. And I just can't make the argument the Bucks got any better. So that was that's a sum it up quickly why I picked him to do that well. But let's uh, flip things now to the NFL and we'll get down to our three NFL games here and let y'all get out of here. We'll start things out with the Eagles at the Bills. This is the Bills as the home favorite minus two and a half over unders at, uh, I think it was at 42. I'm going to look that up while i let Ben start things off. Yeah,
1: so it's in Buffalo, which is always a tough place to play. As you know, we get further on in the year, it gets, it gets pretty cold. Uh, it's a 90% chance of rain. I don't love the Bills offense, so I, I'm taking the under in this game for the total. Um, the Bills do look good, though. Their, their defense, I think, is really, really good, and I don't think it's a fluke. I think that they will play well all year. I just don't, I don't know how good the Bills can be. I, I don't fully trust Josh Allen yet. Um, Frank Gore, I mean, he, he's good. I mean, he gives you what you need every single week, but he's not the running back that's going to take you all the way. I, yeah, I, this is tough. The Eagles, first of all, need this win. I, I think they just need it. So I'm going to take the Eagles – and I, I, it could be an ugly game, though. I mean, I, I like Carson Wentz. Um, I don't love him, but I do like him. I like the Eagles' weapons more. Um, like I said, it's going to rain, but I'm going to take the Eagles in a sloppy game.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'm actually actually on the same same side of you in both these, by the way. Our total is at 42. I like the under because it's going to be raining. and I mean, I don't don't think Josh Allen, I think he's going to end up being good. I don't think he's good enough of a passer yet or has the dynamic weapons to really burn this Eagles secondary up that much. I think they're going to be able to get pressure to him, and I think he's going to try to run around. The Eagles have good sideline-to-sideline defense, so I think that'll kind of... I feel like they basically this way. I think their defense is set up as best to play against Josh Allen's strengths. I think they'll be able to stuff that run. I mean, the Eagles still have a top three run defense in the NFL, which people forget as bad as pat just Everyone just throws the damn ball over them. So I think they're going to be able to shut down the run here. It's going to be in the rain. The Eagles, we saw what they did in a must win when they needed to go into Green Bay and beat the Packers, and somehow they managed to do that. So I think it's a similar situation once again. I think the Eagles come into Buffalo, they get the win, and I think that they keep this game under the total. I like like a Fifteen to nine kind of game. I think it's going to be real ugly.
1: Yeah, it could definitely be ugly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it could be a real ugly one. Definitely not a fun one to watch. I'm gonna our next game on the slate. We're gonna go with here is going to be the Browns at the Patriots. This one has the Patriots at minus twelve and a half, and this one's expecting rain as well. I'll start us off on this one. I am actually kind of like like the under under, at it's it's kind of funny when we we first started talking I told you the under had gone down a point and a half half, it went down another another half point point. it's at 44 44 44 and a half half now. now. Um, It's also actually Patriots minus 11, not 12. But I actually like the Browns, and I like the under in this one as well. I think the Browns will come out and be able to run the ball with Nick Chubb. I mean, teams really haven't been able to score the ball, but the Browns are off a bye week here. And I think this team really has a chip on their shoulder, you know. Like, everyone's been bound-talking Baker. Everyone's been, you know, they've really gotten slandered a lot in the media and thrown around. And I think that Baker Mayfield is the kind of guy who plays his best football with his back against the wall. I think this team's hungry. They're young. They're thirsty. They had to listen that entire week they were off to everyone back them for blowing that game against the, against the Seahawks. I think they come out here they play conservative, they get Nick Chubb going. I think they're able to get Odell and Jarvis involved in the passing game and ultimately I think the Browns keep this one close. And I mean, the Patriots aren't going 16 and 0, guys. I'm I'm not going to say the Browns are going to win this one outright, but I think it's going to come down to one of the la- like final possession kind of games. I think it's going to be a much closer than people think it is and it's going to be a hell of a game.
1: I think the Browns. It's about time they show a sense of urgency. Um, coming off the bye week is going to help. I mean, they need to play like their hairs on fire. Um, that's just the type of players they have. Uh, I, I'm I I'm never going to bet against Tom Brady and Belichick. Um, I, I think the Browns cover. Uh, you say it's 11? Yeah,
0: yeah, 11. eleven. Yeah, eleven.
1: I, yeah, I I picked Tom Brady. To, I mean, I got no reason to pick against Brady winning winning a football game at home. Um, That defense, you know, Brady has not looked, you know, as Brady has for in his entire career. He's still good enough. He's still making enough plays. The defense is great. Um, The interesting matchup to me is going to be Stephon Gilmore, who best corner in the NFL, if you're asking me. Uh, If not, he's second or third. He'll probably be matched up. Well, I mean, you could pick Jarvis Landry or Odell. Uh, I'm excited to see that matchup. If he's with, if he's on Odell, I'm picking you know Brady to win the football game. It's at home. It's it's Tom Brady. It's Bill Belichick. But I think the Browns can't keep it close with Chubb. I think Chubb's going to be an X factor, of course.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I'm no, glad we're on the same page on that one. I think, I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch, watch, and I really think the Browns, you know, like you said, they're going to come out with their hair on fire. I mean, they can't—they really can't afford to lose another game here, and they're still very much in the division race here. So I think the Browns come out and will give the Patriots much more than they want. Um, last game on the slate here is Panthers at the 49ers. Panthers plus six is what it opened at. There's some 5 and a halfs on the board, still some sixes. Um, honestly, I wanted to play the 49ers first in this game, but I'm actually thinking I'm going to go with the Panthers here. I mean, the Panthers are 9-1 and against the spread in their, in their last 10 games at San Francisco. Um, I think Riverboat Ron's one of the better coaches in the league here. This defense is really good. I mean, when you look at them from a personnel standpoint, everything they have... I really think this is a really good team. I think Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore are two very good receivers. They finally have someone who can get them the ball. And Kyle Allen, instead of uh, having um, Cam Newton back behind center. And I think this team has rallied around him and plays better and comes up for it. I think they're going to give the 49ers a lot more than they want in this game. And I think it's going to end up being, you know, like a – I think it's, I think gonna, it's be gonna be like, like a, a, a come down yeah, to pretty, pretty much who's much got the ball last. I, think it's, I think, think it's gonna be really, really close. Also, also two run teams, so I wouldn't be surprised if the under hits here. Year, I probably, probably won't take it, it though. But, but I really, I really look, look for, for the 49ers, 49ers and, uh, and, uh, the, and, and the and um, the Panthers here to both try to run the football and get C. mac and Tevin Coleman and the crew established. I just think that you know, especially off a bye week, that when you have a when you're a well coached team, I think the Panthers can keep this one close and you know maybe even pull an upset.
1: Yeah, I agree. I like Carolina in this game. Um, I think they're going to rely heavily on their two best players. And, you know, when your two best players are Christian McCaffrey and Luke Keekley, I think you can rely on them just about every single Sunday. Uh, Keekley, if he's guarding George Kittle, is one of the better matchups we have seen this year, uh, talking a one on one battle. Um, that is, that's incredible. I mean, Luke Keekley is one of the smartest football players. I, I can remember watching the past couple of years. He rarely misses tackles. Um, and McCaffrey's reliable that you can get him, you know, 40 touches in a game if you need him to. Um, I like the way that Kyle Allen's playing. I, I like the way that um, what they're asking of him to do. Um, like you said, they're, it seems like they've rallied around the young QB, you know, they look a lot better. They're playing a lot better football than than, Cam, than they would do under Cam Newton. Um, I, I've always said I, I'm not like a Cam Newton hater, but I have been saying all year that he is not healthy. And if you ask him to play when he's not healthy, his, his accuracy is not good to begin with. You play him when he's not healthy, it's probably second worst, in the, third worst in the league behind Winston and Mary, and behind Winston, maybe. Um, so they have a healthy quarterback. I think you can rely on Keekley. Um, off a of buy, he's had a lot of tape to study and McCaffrey is fun to watch, boy. So I got the Panthers too.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, it's you know, going to be a tight, it's going to be a tight game for sure. And another funny, funny thing, game, honestly, that you bring that up, up with Keekley. I wonder how often a team actually successfully runs a screen when Luke Keekley's on the field. field. It, feels it feels like, like every, every single, single time someone runs one, he sniffs it. feels like anytime you try anything tricky, Luke Keekley already knew what was happening before you even knew what the play call was.
1: Yeah, he's the. I mean, he's the type of athlete. He's the type of guy you have to know where he is on the floor at all, at all times. I mean, he is that special of a player. He plays in the middle of the field, um, so it's pretty hard to miss him. But you know, for Carolina to win this game, they they got to stop the play action pass. And who's smarter than Luke Kuechly playing linebacker? So um, I like Carolina.
0: Hey, well, well, I love love the pick pick there, there, Ben. Ben, It's going to be a fun fun weekend. weekend. I can't can't wait to see see how all these these games play out, out, but I appreciate appreciate you coming coming on on once again and helping me break break down down these games.
1: games. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Uh, Roll Tide to everyone. I hope that pisses a lot of people off.
0: Uh, I'm, sure I'm sure it does. does. You, you know, know, we got, we got that, that um, south, south kind of, you know, listeners to this, this podcast. So definitely since that's our demographic, demographic, you know there's going to be Auburn be fans, Georgia fans. All of them, fans, fans. All of them are definitely be a little pissed off about, about the roll, roll tide, tide. But, but we're, we're just, just excited, excited as you all are to watch, watch these games, games this weekend. We hope you all enjoyed listening to it. And we will see you all again soon.